from the FLI Audio Files. I'm Arielle Kahn with the Future of Life Institute. I recently sat down with Seth Baum, Executive Director of the Global Catastrophic Risk Institute, to talk about various existential risks. However, when he learned that my background is in seismology, the conversation quickly switched gears as he and I tried to figure out if there was some way a generally catastrophic earthquake could somehow become an existential risk. After talking about risks and the science of earthquakes, we realized there was still too much we didn't know. So I called up Dr. Martin Chapman, a seismologist at Virginia Tech, for his take on some of the possibilities we considered. What follows is a rather ridiculous conversation as Seth and I try to come up with creative ways that a single earthquake could destroy the world, mixed with regular interjections of reality from both myself and Martin. But first, just how does Seth think he can turn an earthquake into an existential risk? Not easily, right? So we're talking about an existential risk to the whole of humanity, and, but earthquakes only happen in one place. We had our work cut out for us right from the beginning. Right, so you would need some sort of spiraling, cascading chain of events. I, I don't think you'd get that. I don't know of any physical way you could get that. Probably not. All right, so, so just for the sake of, okay, how can you cause that much harm with an earthquake? Uh, off the top of my head, so the, the easy way would be like if you have an earthquake in a high-security uh, biosafety laboratory and it causes the release of some sort of nasty something, like, I don't know, smallpox, if there's an earthquake in Atlanta or uh, it's, it's southern Russia near Kazakhstan, which two places we still have uh, smallpox. I don't think these places get earthquakes, but and, and hopefully wherever they are would, would probably be safe from earthquakes. So technically, Atlanta could. Um, South Carolina also had a very large earthquake in Charleston in the late 1800s, and that one, um, that one was pretty damaging. Okay. Charleston, I went to Charleston. Beautiful city. Doesn't seem very earthquake-safe. If you, um, if you pay attention when you're walking along downtown, you can see lots of um, bolts that were built into the buildings after the earthquake occurred because they're not allowed to renovate the buildings um, due to whatever... It's historic, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're not allowed to renovate the buildings or fix them or you know make changes to them. So they've got all these earthquake bolts in place to try to, to one, keep them structurally sound now and then also to help them withstand an earthquake if another one occurs. So what you're saying is that Atlanta potentially could get hit by an earthquake? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it's unlikely. It's not something I would count on, but they did. Georgia had a magnitude 4 earthquake a couple of years ago, and magnitude 4 is not going to do damage, but there are it means there are faults there. There are faults. So what's the biggest type of earthquake you could have in Atlanta, and is it big enough to destroy the buildings that the CDC is housed in? So that's where my guess is it's just not going to be big enough. Um, not going to be big enough? All right. Not enough to release some disease onto the public. Okay. Because even even if they had a huge earthquake, and I mean, even if it you know toppled buildings, it'd be pretty hard I just I don't see I don't see biological release. It was time to bring Martin in. 
Martin has been actively studying earthquakes up and down the East Coast um, throughout his whole career. So if anyone was going to know whether or not a big earthquake could strike Atlanta, it's him. Well, for Atlanta, I mean, it, again, it's about to say the hazard from, from a major earthquake uh, in the Atlanta area would be, uh, you know, in the same ballpark as you would expect for Washington or New York. Which means it's a really small risk. And even Seth wasn't too worried about the CDC building toppling in Atlanta. I, I would I would like to think that these buildings are pretty sturdy, pretty well built. I mean, I've, I've been in, in some of these biosafety buildings, not not in Atlanta, but in other places, and they would seem to be taking a lot of precautions. Martin agreed. Federal buildings, it's my understanding, although I may be, uh, you know, things may have changed, is that I believe that here, at least in the last 20 years, there's been some, some uh, regulations made, you know, to sort of uh, upgrade the seismic uh, resistance of new federal construction. I don't know about old, the older stuff already in place. What about earthquakes in, it's, I think, southern Russia near Kazakhstan? Can they get earthquakes? Southern Russia? Um, that was a question for Martin. Does Kazakhstan get earthquakes? I'm not sure about that. I'm not familiar enough of that part of the world, to tell you the truth. I imagine it probably does have occasional. It's hard to get away from earthquakes no matter where you are. But, but it's not I a major Kazakhstan, No, it's not, in, okay. it's not a plate boundary area like Japan or, uh, say, the west coast of the United States or any, you know, those kinds of areas. I think it's kind of, uh, you know, continental interior. But I wasn't quite ready to let go of the idea that a larger earthquake could happen in Kazakhstan. So I googled it. And it turns out that there was a magnitude 7.7 earthquake in southern Kazakhstan in 1911. Now, I didn't look too deeply into the earthquake history, so perhaps there are more, perhaps that was an anomaly, but they can clearly happen in the country. The next question is where the um, building Seth was talking about that housed these uh, deadly diseases is within the country, and that I don't know the answer to. But at least now we know an earthquake could potentially occur in Kazakhstan. There was still one more thing for us to consider, though, before we completely gave up on the idea of a biological release as a risk. Um, so one of one of the more famous earthquakes in uh, the last few hundred years was the one in Lisbon, um, and that that actually inspired. Um, Voltaire's book, Candide. I don't know if you read that. That's been po Portugal, right? Yep, and so that was the late 1700s. That's, that's nowhere near Kazakhstan. No, but it's also nowhere near a fault. I meant nowhere near a plate boundary. For an earthquake to occur, there has to be a fault. And that earthquake pretty much toppled Lisbon. Really? And and at the time, I I haven't I haven't looked into the history that well, but if I recall right, at the time, Lisbon was actually one of the top economic cities in the world, and I believe that earthquake really sort of changed the tide of the the city. It was time to bring Martin back in for more clarification, because that was that also wasn't on a plate boundary, right? That was it. That was a intraplate earthquake. Well, it it you know that's kind of a of a of a debatable thing. It. 
it certainly is not on a major plate boundary. The, the boundary between the North African or African plate and, and Eurasia, you know, which is in the vicinity of the Strait of Gibraltar, you know, in that area there, it's really hard to identify where the, exactly where the plate boundary is, and it may not be on any single structure. And the, the Lisbon earthquake was, was offshore, almost certainly, and, and, and the feature that it was on may or may not be a, a major plate boundary fault. So it's, it's in the vicinity of some sort of a, of a plate boundary, but it, it's not the same kind of a boundary like, say, the, the seismic zones around Japan or in the Aleutians or even in California for that matter. So it, 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 the fault responsible for that earthquake is, has not really been recognized yet. Okay. Although there's some, some ideas about it, so it's it's one of these gray areas, you know. It, it, it's it's not e it's not easy to say it's an interplate earthquake, and it certainly is difficult to point to a specific plate boundary that that would be responsible for it. The bad thing about it, the thing that really caused it to stand out, uh, was that there was a tsunami associated with it as well. It wasn't just the shaking of the ground. It was a you know it was a tsunami. And it occurred on All Saints Day, I think, uh, at the time, at the very instant, when everybody was, well, a lot of people, anyway, were, were in church. Learning about the Lisbon earthquake gave Seth insight into a little-known fact about earthquakes. And so at any rate, if it can happen in Lisbon, it can happen anywhere. Most of the world is not built according to any sophisticated earthquake standards, because most of the world is not accustomed to getting earthquakes like California or Japan, or Chile does. Right. And so what you're saying is most of the world could have, potentially, there's some small chance of having its buildings fall down? Yes. Be because, wow. Huh, I did not know that. But it is a small chance. Um, Very small chance, yeah. But it, it is sort of interesting. Like The um, USGS puts out their earthquake hazard maps every year for the United States. Um, and there's no place in the country that they're willing to say doesn't have a risk. It might be a really, really, really small risk, but it's there. So the bottom line is, you and I have tried really hard to cause a global catastrophe from a, 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 an infectious disease released from some lab somewhere, in this case Atlanta, um, by, by an earthquake. And it's, it's pretty hard. It, like, I don't think we can categorically rule this one out, but it, 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 I'm, I'm not losing sleep at night because of this one. I think, I think that's the bottom line. We got plenty of other things that we could worry about. Um, okay, so that's scenario one. So the best scenario that I can think of off the top of my head okay. is if there was an earthquake somewhere near a nuclear weapons facility. Okay. And I'm not aware of any, I have no clue where nuclear weapons facilities are, so I don't know if they're near faults. If that somehow accidentally triggered a bomb to go off. Yeah. And some country thought that it was a legitimate attack. Yeah. And we started a nuclear war over it. Yeah. That's the best I can come up with. That's not bad. That, that, I think, is a fair bit better than, than my, my Centers for Disease Control smallpox thing. It's, so, okay, uh, first of all, where, where are the nuclear weapons? They're, they're scattered. 
right? We got silos, we got uh, uh, Air Force bases, we got submarines. The submarines are in the ocean. Those are pretty safe from... Yeah, the silos, silos, anything underground is going to be pretty safe too. The silos underground are going to be safe? Yeah, so the the reason the earthquakes are going to be damaging is because you get the surface waves that cause the buildings to sway, and then that affects the the structural integrity of the building. But underground, it's you don't typically get as much um, damage. For example, during that Virginia earthquake that you felt in New York, I was in Virginia at the time, but I was in a basement, so I didn't I didn't feel it. Martin has actually done work with groups like the NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Committee, among others. So he was likely to have some idea about just how safe the nuclear silos were. Well, yeah, I, I know a little bit about the about the the, the, the missiles, at least. Okay. You know, they're 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 in hard, and I don't know what the current state is, but those things were designed to where they would withstand a direct, you know, a, a, a direct nuclear attack. You know, they're, they're, of all things in the world, that ought to ride out an earthquake pretty well. <laughs> it ought to be one of these ICBMs. Okay. <laughs> so they're, they're in hardened silos. It would be hard for an earthquake to damage one of those things. Okay. Because they were designed to resist that kind of, a, of an impact. Okay. Well, our second scenario for trying to turn an earthquake into an existential risk just got shot down. Then uh, let, me, let me add a third one to the mix. And this one might be the most likely. Okay. Because now you don't need to have it trigger a nuclear weapon uh, detonation. You don't need to have it trigger a, a disease outbreak of any sort. You just need it to break a big city. And as far as I can tell, this is the sort of thing that some earthquakes from time to time actually accomplish, right? They break big cities. Yeah. I'm not convinced. I mean, it would be devastating. It would absolutely, if you if you had a large earthquake in near a big city, it would be devastating. Um, but I mean, you know, Tokyo pretty recently experienced one of the largest earthquakes in recorded history, and it 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 didn't break. So, which earthquake are you talking about? The the Fukushima earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so what you're saying is that that earthquake, I know it was north of Tokyo, but it was a huge earthquake. and It was one of the biggest you, that you can possibly have. Gotcha. They, I think they can probably get a little bit bigger, but not a lot bigger. Not a lot bigger than that. All right. And so that earthquake, which was just a massive, massive earthquake, it was a little bit north of Tokyo, but it was still so big that Tokyo also got hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the videos? It's really cool. You can see the the buildings are designed really well. They just sort of swayed a bit, but you can see them swaying. It was impressive. Um, where where earthquakes are more likely to do damage is in poorer countries um, where they just don't have the infrastructure built up. And so there you have Nepal. That kind of did break, um, but it wasn't enough to cause a global catastrophe because they aren't as big an economic force. For better or worse, and, and in this case, in, in a certain kind of morbid sense, for better, what you're saying is that the cities that are likely to get destroyed by an earthquake are the cities that kind of aren't that important to the global economy. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But that's, 
but that's what we yeah that's what we saw both in 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 nepal and in haiti haiti also and both of those earthquakes were smaller than the earthquakes that also relatively recently struck both japan and chile chile yeah chile that that's what i heard is that the chile earthquake was bigger than the haiti earthquake but just chile it's not the wealthiest country in the world but it's moderately well off and so that they have just they're very well prepared for earthquakes their, their building codes their construction all of that stuff is pretty pretty top end yeah and, and so they got hit but they they could handle it yeah um now we were talking a little bit before this about the um cascadia fault I don't know how big an economy Seattle is. If if Cascadia did go, um, Seattle would probably break. All right. So so we can we can imagine Seattle breaking. We can maybe imagine. Well, all right. What about what about New York City? Right. I I, le- I live in New York City, and I'm in a building that right now that was built in I think 1934. Something like that. It's a big pile of bricks. It's hard to imagine this being earthquake. No, and I'm sure it's not. Um, New York has an, a history of occasionally having small earthquakes. I'm not aware of anything large enough to really topple New York City, though. Well, let me let me finish my scenario because even even under the worst of conditions, the scenario is probably still a little bit of a stretch because. Now we're not talking about a nuclear weapon or a nuclear war or a disease outbreak. We're just talking about one city being destroyed. If we can, if we can destroy a city from an earthquake, maybe we can, maybe we can't, or maybe it's not the right cities. But if we can, then that would cause a major disruption to the world's economy. But would it? I mean, how? How? Uh, you know. If we lose New York, then yes, that will affect the global economy. Yes. New York will, but how many how many cities fall under that category? I mean, most most American cities wouldn't. It would really suck to lose San Francisco, but I don't think it would destroy. <laughs> My sister lives in San Francisco. She'd love to hear that. I used to live in San Francisco. I loved it. I love the city. I don't want it destroyed. But that's the one that's most. I guess LA is is potential for a large one as well. But those are the two cities that are actually most likely to get severely damaged. Um, and I just, I don't see them. Okay, well, well, I'll tell you a story that could clarify this. So a few years back, not, not that many years ago, there was major flooding in Thailand. And you wouldn't think of Thailand as being a crucial hub in the global economy, but it turns out they are one of the most important manufacturers of computer hardware. And when the flooding happened, the manufacturing plants shut down. You can't build hardware in a bunch of water. And, and that caused shortages of computer hardware companies. I think Dell was one of them. were having trouble meeting their orders. And they almost had to shut down their whole business because of this flood in, in Thailand. Now, they had enough supplies, were able to get enough from, from other parts of the world. And so it ended up being not that big of a deal. That's why most of us haven't heard of it. But you know, it still speaks to the point that a natural disaster in some part of the world can have um, major consequences to the whole global economy. So actually, that reminds me too. I think, if I recall right, Japan's earthquake had a similar effect for Apple, didn't they? Um, a lot of the parts for Apple were coming from Japan. I can't remember exactly how it works. Maybe they were the the final product was being built in Japan. 
maybe. I think something I think something like that happened with Japan, and it did slow down um, production rates, if I recall right. I, I I'd have to look into that again. Yeah, maybe I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that one either. But I, w- I would certainly believe it. Certainly, a lot of stuff does indeed get get built in Japan. So, uh, at any rate, how do you go from there to a global catastrophe? So this is the the domain of global systemic risk. Basically, when you have a disruption like that, what happens next? There will be some sort of global effects from it because of our globally interconnected economy. Exactly what happens, it's, it's really hard to say. This isn't something that uh, the research community understands very well. We actually work a little bit with a group in Princeton that, that studies global systemic risk, and they're trying to figure the same thing out. Okay, we saw in Thailand that caused a little bit of disruption internally within the computer industry. Maybe hardware got more expensive, but overall this was a very minor blip for the world. We barely even noticed for the most part. But maybe if you get a large enough earthquake and and a crucial city of the global economy or even some other city that we wouldn't think is crucial but turns out to be important, maybe that could spiral out of control, causing a a global economic failure and, and things of that sort. And so that's the the third way I can think of we could go from an earthquake to a global catastrophe. Yeah, I'm still not convinced. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, we've just we've had we've had enough natural disasters, um, and they didn't they just they didn't have that effect. And we have had natural disasters hit at least relatively large cities. I mean, Taiwan doesn't surprise me that it would be a problem because I. Feel like there's a lot of stuff that says made in taiwan on it so it wouldn't surprise me that that would have problems and yet it's still i mean maybe it affected dell and a couple computer companies but they did survive um new york was obviously attacked in 2001 um and that that shut down the city the, the city the city the city was kind of put on pause for a little bit but i mean hurricane sandy shut the city down more than the 9-11 attacks did but look that's a fair point that's an important point that because we've had earthquakes even large earthquakes repeatedly over the years and and other natural disasters of similar magnitude over the years and we've seen over and over again we survive them as a whole and some people don't and, and that's tragic in its own right but human civilization as a whole survives them you know therefore probably next time it happens we will also survive that uh, so that's that's a fair point. Um, it, at the same time, you know, maybe there's a chance, but it I don't know. It's it's not what me with my global catastrophe hat on. You know, that's that's not what I worry about. Earthquakes. So. Yeah, I've studied them a lot, and I can't figure out any way to worry about them. It was time to get Martin's take. Could an earthquake actually destroy a major city like New York City or Washington, D.C.? Well, the earthquake occurring is, is not, you know, it's, it's not likely. Mm-hmm. We, we know we don't have magnitude 7 earthquakes on a, you know, anywhere near a, a, a frequent basis along the East Coast, but they have occurred in the past. You know, there was a magnitude 7 earthquake wrecked Charleston, South Carolina back in 1886, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that a major earthquake could strike in the Washington, D.C. area. 
Okay. We have a you know a fairly extensive historical record of moderate to severe earthquakes in in central Virginia, which is only about 120 or 30 kilometers away from Washington. So, okay. yeah, I think the possibility of that happening is 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 not not zero. What are what are the odds of something that big hitting New York? Well, it would be similar to what you would predict for for the Washington D.C. area, anywhere along the eastern seaboard. The, the likelihood of a, of a major, say, a magnitude seven or bigger earthquake is is, is remote, given the, the the way we calculate hazard uh, or estimate hazard these days. It, it gives a, a low probability for an event like that, but it's not zero. It's it's got a finite probability of happening, and basically anywhere along the east coast, as best we can tell. But as far as wiping people out, you know, it's hard to imagine a situation where just affecting one city, mm-hmm. even no matter, even if it's very severely uh, impacted you know, locally in, in in an urban area, how that would affect the global population, you know, immediately, um, unless you had some something else involved, like some kind of a well, you know, like a triggering uh, a doomsday thing or something. <laughs> Seth and I had now come to an official conclusion. The potential for earthquakes to cause a major global catastrophe seems like, yeah, probably not. But hey, this is this is important. This is useful. We, we have one thing that we probably don't need to worry about, at least at that scale. There you go. That's the bright side. We don't need to worry about earthquakes destroying the world. Now that we'd ruled out earthquakes as an existential risk, what did Martin think might be the biggest existential risk we face? You know, of all the ways you can figure that you might <laughs> do in the mankind, you know, in, the, in a way, in some fashion similar to the dinosaurs, uh, an asteroid impact, that's that's a leading candidate. You know, that's <laughs> sort of believed to be what happened to the poor old dinosaurs. And also, in the same context, you know, massive volcanic eruptions. Uh, prior to the ideas about the about the Chinchalu asteroid impact down in, down in Yucatan, you know, which is sort of believed to be the cause of dinosaur extinction, mm-hmm. uh, a competing idea for the extinction of the dinosaurs was that there was a period of time when there was a lot of volcanic activity in India, you know, the Deccan Traps volcanism there, that might have... Uh, altered the climate uh, enough to, to, you know, affect affect their their uh, reproduction or whatever, you know. But anyway, impact the survival of these dinosaurs. And then the thing that really scares me, which is just completely different from what we've been talking about, and again, it's it's a slow thing too. But it's ocean pollution is 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 the thing that really I think is is a serious issue that nobody's really even thinking about these days. But if you pollute the oceans to the extent that the fish population and all the, you know, the plankton and all that kind of stuff that that whole whole ecosystem is is based on, if you if you perturb that and and kill off, make a big impact on life in the oceans, that's really a global issue. Martin gave us a lot of ideas that could perhaps be topics for future episodes. To learn more, visit futureoflife.org.